Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. So Ian, we're both on the come down from our annual event. It's been our fifth year anniversary, and I want to talk about it a little bit on the pod because there's an intimate connection between the listeners of this podcast and the annual event that we host every year in Bangkok. First off, how are you doing? Are you all right? You back in Austin? I'm almost fully recovered. You know what, man? I have such a good time at the event, and I'm so thankful for our team because we used to actually have to work at the event. And now we just get to show up and party and hang out with other DCers. The team is over 20 people. That's something worth mentioning. And we had a list, a schedule every hour of what we should do, including when we should take some downtime, which was an incredible improvement. (laughs) You guys could potentially take a nap at this time from two to three. (laughs) I'm looking at the schedule like a couple days before we started. I'm like, well, I'm going to be exhausted after these five days because this year we started on Wednesday. Yeah, it was full on. And before that, you know, more or less, it was full on for the weeks beforehand. I mean, I arrived a week early doing stuff on the ground. So yeah, it's been good to have just a relaxing week off. And so in this show, we're going to reflect on some of the themes, some of the things that we learned at the event. And I got to just talk about the connection really quick between the pod and the event. Because right now, if you've only been listening to the show for a couple of years, you might think, you know, it's a show where Dan and Ian interview people about business, they share some tips, you know, talk about building online businesses or whatever. So you could have, you know, kind of like a so-so reaction to the podcast. What? I think that's fair. You know, sometimes we're on, sometimes we're not. Uh. But if you were to go back to like 2011, 2010, 2009, and listen to this podcast, there's only one of two reactions. The first one would be like, what the hell are these guys talking about? That's the first reaction, okay? So that's most of the people. And then a very small percentage of the people who for some reason downloaded our pod would say something like, whoa, there's other people like me? What? What? And they would send us an email immediately. And so we got like 50 emails. We had 50 downloads. (laughs) It became immediately clear that we all needed to meet each other because it was very small community back then. And that's how this thing all got started. And if you put yourself back in that room at the first event over five years ago now, I think we were all just looking to connect with each other like, this is amazing. Like, we don't have jobs. We're working online. It was like a secret club for people who figured out how to turn the internet into an ATM. But what's changed over the last five years is you come, sometimes you meet the same people, sometimes it's new people that have joined the community. And it's like, whoa, these people are business leaders. I mean, that's really been the biggest change. Like, these are the businesses that entrepreneurs in general are trying to create, you know? And so I think it's worth, let's take a moment in this podcast just to reflect about how the community has been evolving and changing and how people have gone from quitting their jobs and traveling the world to creating established, successful businesses that are creating generational wealth for them and their families. All right, so the first thing that I want to talk about, maybe make a connection again between the podcast and the event, is that on the podcast, we talk about productized services a lot. 
A productized service is a service business that is presented like a product. So instead of having a free consultation or a quotation period or an hourly or weekly rate for your services, instead you put a buy now button on that. And so let me give an example of one that I might like to purchase someday that doesn't exist that I know of, maybe an opportunity for a listener. Wouldn't it be cool if, say, for 300 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month, you could buy a product that helped optimize and generate leads for your Instagram account? Ooh. That would be interesting because I now know so many e-commerce entrepreneurs, for example, that are generating the majority of their leads from Instagram. Now, I don't know how to do that, so wouldn't it be cool if I could buy a productized service that helps me do that? Now, the reason we talk about this stuff so much on the podcast is because you can start one of these businesses in a weekend. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, I'm one of those people that knows how to generate leads off of Instagram, well then boom, you're going to leadpages.com and signing up for their service and putting up a product landing page away from starting a business this weekend. Another example, sponsors of this year's event, Bean Ninjas, Meryl and Ben, they have a product where if you're on zero, they will do your bookkeeping for you. And I think in the past, these types of businesses were generally targeted at local businesses. Zip codes. Exactly. And now what they've done is they've essentially taken the same service, they've put a price tag on it, so it's not ambiguous, and they've marketed it to the whole internet. You used to work with your accountant and you'd pay them by the hour, like $70 an hour or whatever. But instead, you can go to the Bean Ninjas and say, all right, for 200 bucks a month, or I don't know their pricing for different levels, but that's the whole point is that it's not this sliding scale. It's like, this is what you pay and this is what you get. And that's a productized service. So part of the reason I wanted to bring it up is that we present this on the show as businesses that you can get started fast. But what I saw at the event was a lot of mature businesses and a lot of mature entrepreneurs having tons of success with productized service. One of the guests we're going to have in the next few weeks is Tristan King from Black Belt Commerce. You know, this business has been around for years. It used to be called Shopify Ninjas. And it's a really meaningful business. The reason I wanted to bring up some of these examples, Ian, is that I think sometimes people that have a lot of entrepreneurial experience they might pass on a productized service idea thinking, oh, you know, it'll have scale problems, it'll have HR problems or cash flow problems. And those things are all true. I don't want to sugarcoat how difficult it is to run a business. But I want to say that one of my observations was that even experienced entrepreneurs are really latching onto this idea that, hey, if whatever they're doing, their SaaS product or their consulting gigs aren't working out, they're saying, you know what, I'm going to take a try at this productized service thing and it seems to really be working out. One final thing I want to say before we get to our second point is that the world of people thinking about these ideas and executing on them is very small. So if we loop back to my Instagram example, it's not a big world of people that are positioned to take advantage of an opportunity like that. Much like if you were a podcast listener to this show back in 2009, it's just a small handful of people. Fast forward half a decade, and even though the opportunities are expanding, if you're sitting there in your chair and thinking, whoa, I could actually do something like that, the truth is, is you actually could. There's so many great opportunities that are mentioned on this show and other shows and online and in blog posts and on Twitter and Facebook, and people just read them and act like, well, that's just not an opportunity for me. Just the other day, somebody took one of my ideas from the show that I gave away, and they didn't give me credit. All I'm asking is that you name it Ian. That is what the product needs to be called. Just call it Ian. GetIan.com. 
I know there's going to be a lot of products called Ian, but that's what we're going with. You got a heart of gold. The other theme at the conference, and again, Dan, this is just us saying like, we were right, we were right. Distributed teams. All right. So this is our second point. I want to hang our hat on this one. Yeah. Point number two. So you're noticing distributed teams. This is a buzz term. What does it mean though? Get me down to the core of it. Distributed teams basically means that your team is worldwide. So not everybody is sitting together in an office in Chicago. You might have a couple people in Chicago, but in general, your team is distributed. Another one of our sponsors this year, AMZ Tracker, I think they are doing a great job at this. They've actually got a little bit of a different idea, one that I hadn't thought about before, so you can't name it, Ian. They are actually moving their headquarters from city to city and incentivizing team members to travel along with them. So it's kind of like a distributed team, I guess, but it's also kind of like a traveling circus, if you will. It's like a swarm of bees or something like people are like orbiting in different levels of gravity. So the slowest orbiters might just come to the annual or biannual retreat. Right. So they'll orbit around to like meet the team twice a year, once a year. And then you've got the core people who are actually following the company headquarters, you know, whether that's from places like Bangkok, Saigon, Medellin, who knows where it's going to be next. But you get a little bit of a pay raise if you're willing to be co located with the core of the team and you might get access to some better projects or whatever. But I think it's fascinating because again, you go back to 2009, 2010, we're starting to run some of these experiments like, Hey, come be an apprentice, you know, live as an expat across the world or work from home. And these kinds of things I think may have been looked down a little bit by the business establishment. Certainly some of our listeners say like, look, that's not how you grow a real business. And then you look at someone like AMC tracker and you say, well, there you go. If that ain't a real business, then I don't know what you think a real business is. And part of it, Dan, I think it's just like bucking the trend of what has worked and what has happened in the past. And some of it actually just has to do with cost structure. So having an office is expensive. You know, I love reading over the last couple of weeks about how all these people are defying San Francisco and starting their startups in Missouri. I've thought for a long time that that's going to be the future, right? Because you don't have to pay these developers $250,000 a year. You can pay them, you know, normal working wages for the skills that they have have, but you don't have to overpay, whereas you might in San Francisco. And so that's really part of the opportunity as well, is that you can offer people other kinds of incentivization and packages. So for example, if you work for AMZ Tracker, you know, one of the perks is that you get to live in Bangkok. Well, I've always wanted to live in Bangkok and I've always wanted to do this kind of work. And so that's interesting. The reason that I think people listen to the TMBA podcast isn't because they want to do things the way things have been done for the last hundred years, you know? And it's like, if you want to compensate yourself with time and mobility, why won't your staff want that? And if you value lifelong learning and excitement, then why wouldn't your staff value that? Why couldn't you build that into your business? Another sponsor of the event, notice how we're baking these sponsors right into this podcast. That's amazing. (laughs) This is like a live read. (laughs) Empire Flippers, your number one source for buying and selling websites online. They're using the apprenticeship models. And I was just hanging out with their apprentices the other night. Like, these guys are sharp, you know? It's just amazing to see. Like, of course, they want to come out and learn how to run a business. Of course, they want an adventure. Of course, they're willing to maybe take a little bit of a pay cut over. Remember what your first job was, boss man? 
I do. I don't even want to remember. And would I have much preferred to take a little bit of a pay cut and a huge lifestyle increase in order to learn from success? Yes, yes, yes. All the yes things. This is why distributed teams are working. It's fascinating to hear them working at scale for what I think is fair to say, very real businesses. All right. Number three, there's a lot of money to be made in the room. That's one of the themes that I think part of the reason people come back to this event every year is, sure, it's fun. Sure, you get to see your friends. There's learnings to be had. But really, I think there's a lot of deal making going on. I'm getting a sense for that too. It's weird, right? Because we discourage hard selling in the D.C., just because I don't think it makes for a very friendly environment. And I don't think that that's why people should be there interacting with each other. Totally. So it just doesn't go on. But then when you come to these events, you realize how many people are partnering up. Wait, wait, hold up. Do you know what a hard sell is? Oh, yeah. Should we model one? Let's do a little role playing here. What do you say? You want to do a role play? Yeah. Okay. okay. So we're at a San Diego meetup circa 2009. <laughs> okay. I've got a business card and it's got my face on it. What's your name, man? It's good to see you here. Oh, Ian, nice to meet you. What do you do? Oh, thanks for asking. My name is Dan. Actually, I work for Remax. And are you into the real estate market, actually? Because I, I am a real estate broker. And actually, here's my card. And anytime you're looking for real estate, you know, just let me know. Okay. And uh, I come to these things every week. And it's just absolutely uh-huh. awesome. Hey, actually, you know what? I have to get back to the office. So it was great to meet you. Uh-huh. And I'll call you about that single family home. We've got something in Point Loma for you. I, for Something for you. Perfect. That's exactly how it happens. You don't want that. You're not flying the whole way to Bangkok to hear that. (laughs) That's right. And so in the DC, it just doesn't go on because it's not cool. But what does go on and what I have seen going on for the last couple of years is people starting to work together. Noah Kagan gave a really good keynote this year, I thought, and it was very different than most of the keynotes that you'll watch at most conferences. Most keynotes are kind of one way, person up on the stage, talking down to the people in the chairs and not a whole lot of interaction. Noah Kagan's speech was 100% interactive. And one of the exercises that he had people do was turn around, meet each other, in your immediate area and start cutting deals together. And I thought that that was very cool because when the exercise was over, 10 minutes was over, people raised their hands and had exchanged services and not in a sleazy way, but in a way like, hey, I need Sarah's trademark services. And I just discovered Sarah Kornblatt. We might as well mention her. Yeah, I just discovered that she's (laughs) sitting right behind me and that she provides those kinds of services. And I trust her now that I've been at this conference with her for the last three days. And so now we're going to hook up. Let me talk about something bigger than that, though, because what's the theme? What's the cultural learning here? I think back in the day when all this started, the idea that you could make a meaningful multi-million dollar business with a distributed team that generates generational wealth for you and your family by selling into this community would have been crazy talk, right? Because you say, you know, it's not mature enough. It's not a big enough market. There's not enough money there. And so it was a bunch of people talking about selling outside of this world. So me and you, Ian, we were like, hey, we're selling to valet parking people and hotel people. And that was really a lot of what it was early on was the small crew that had figured out the internet or whatever and was selling services and products outbound. Fast forward six years and the community has matured so much that If you look at our sponsors, and this makes sense, like all of them are building meaningful businesses by serving the community itself, right? Even Noah's business, right? Noah Kagan, AppSumo. You look at 1040 Abroad, Olivier's Accounting Services. You look at Empire Flippers. You look at AMZ Tracker. And you look at the Bean Ninjas. These are businesses that are employing people. 
So I've worked in all the sponsor mentions. <laughs> <laughs> Good job again. <laughs> I wanted to mention all the sponsors because I think it's so cool that DC businesses, like a lot of these businesses were started in the DC and they were cultivated in the DC and now they're sponsoring the event. Yeah, and I just want to say that about MailChimp because... Why the hell did MailChimp want to sponsor? That's what well, I want Here's to the reason why. It's very simple. Number one, we didn't reach out to them. But number two, here's what I want to say about sponsors is that this year was our first year having sponsors at an event. And this is kind of like a quick tip for people that are throwing events. I didn't ever think that we were going to be able to have sponsors because I thought it would be basically non sequitur, right? Like, so you have MailChimp and everybody kind of like looks up at the poster and they're like, hey, yeah, MailChimp, cool. Heard of them before, like seven touches, right? This must be part of their ways to get me as a customer. And they've got a quarter million dollar budget to do that. And they're dropping a couple dollars at this conference just so they can be seen. And so I always kind of thought that was weird, right? Because it wasn't super relevant to our audience and the people that were at the conference. And I thought it wasn't super relevant to MailChimp. So this year, what we did was we asked our attendees who would like to sponsor the event. And lo and behold, a couple of people came forward and you're exactly right. It makes sense at this conference, and I think at small conferences, because everybody knows these companies, and everybody may or may not already be working with them, but it gives them a chance to interact with them even further. So these sponsors, they set up booths at the event for a couple hours a day, and they got an opportunity to interact with current and hopefully new clients. They serve as examples of what you can do inside the community. Look at Bean Ninjas coming onto this podcast, launching a productized services. Look at the Empire Flippers. I'm almost positive their first customers came out of the DC. Certainly, they started their podcast because we invited them on ours. They were cultivated and they built a reputation inside of this community. Look at AMZ Tracker hiring tons of referrals from their staff is built from referrals from DCers. And so I think that these businesses kind of popped up in our midst. And so they also serve as examples of what you can do if you stick around in the community, if you get to know people and you build your reputation and knowledge over years. If you want to sponsor the conference next year, just email boss man. I'm sure he'd be very interested. We got a couple booth slots available. I got a corner slot available and I got the one right next to the bathroom. That's really a nice one. All right, number four point. Let's talk about our favorite bit of feedback. Just really briefly, I just want to mention something that stuck out at me. This event, both from the eye test and from the survey, I think was the most successful event we've ever thrown in terms of customer satisfaction or level of experience. Do you agree with that? Does that fit your eye test? I would for me, yeah, because I had a schedule and I had nap time planned in. <laughs> for me, it was okay. an amazing event. But, you know, for some people, you know, we're about to go on here for the next 10 minutes about how awesome we are and how awesome the event is. But if you didn't have a great time, I would like to hear about it. Just one piece of feedback jumped out at me, which I thought was fascinating. And I want to read it to you. We asked the attendees if 250 entrepreneurs was the right size for the event. And the feedback was, can you guess? Drum roll. <laughs> the feedback was, yeah, but maybe a little smaller, like 200 people, 220 people. And I thought that was fascinating because I really expected people to be like, you know what you should do? You should create like an elite event. You have to have like a million bucks and it's for 50 people. Or I didn't expect people to more or less say, you're more or less there. I myself thought like, isn't an event better if there's only 100 people? Or what about going on one of those retreats where there's like 20 people and everybody's, you know made millions of dollars and set up a charity. Well, we've done all of those, right? We've had a 20-person event when the DC was younger. We had a 100-person event, and now we've had 250 plus. So what should we be doing in the future? 
Well, my takeaway from this is that the key value of this event is the level of optionality, being in a room with like minds that are very diverse. It's not like 50 people that run SaaS businesses talking about growth hacking, right? It's like there's 50 SaaS people, but there's also like 50 service people. And then there's also like 10 lawyers. And so when you bounce into those people, I think what happens is deals. And I think the reason people keep coming back and the reason that this conference is unique is that I think you can come and you can cut deals. It's not like Vegas. You don't always lose your money. (laughs) You could come and be 10x up. And I think a lot of people were. It's also a lot of fun and you get to see old friends and meet some new ones. So our fifth point is our final notes. Final notes on the event. People still love masterminds. So Friday at the event is Mastermind Day. You sit around the table with six to seven people. You share your most intimate business problems and people crush your dreams. People crush your dreams. It's like going to the dentist, you know? You don't want to do it, but you should go. You're going to feel good about yourself when you're done. I don't know why every year I'm so surprised that people continue to love the masterminds so much. Like seven out of 10 attendees pay extra and come early to do the mastermind. To work. To work. I mean, it is a lot of work. You sit there and you listen to seven other people's businesses and you give them critical feedback and then they give you critical feedback on your business. And I see people on the elevator leaving that mastermind and they just look crushed. Some of them are crying. And sometimes there's that one person at your table that sucks too. (laughs) You know, it's true. Sometimes somebody sucks. But it's also sometimes there's that one person at your table that you become business partners with next year. That happened. Or another thing that I hear a lot is I took that feedback that I got at the mastermind last year and it totally changed my business and here I am this year. There's a level of understanding that you get from people when you have a structured conversation that's meant to be difficult as opposed to just kind of egging each other on or having a few cocktails. And in fact, we're working that into next year. A lot of innovations coming next year. We're going to change things around a lot because we want to keep it fresh and exciting. You know, we had over 40 meetups this year. Everything from like, Bitcoin, like I hosted one on membership sites, you hosted one on investing. And what we're trying to do is create more structured conversations during those meetups as opposed to, hey, you know, just have cocktails with the other people that are interested in the stuff that you're interested in. Now, there's certainly a place for that and plenty of that, but I think the innovation for us can circle around these smaller, relevant groups where you might be putting people in groups. Here's an idea you might be putting people in groups that they don't even know why they're in the group until they get there. So they're not coming in with an agenda. They're just coming in with a particular background that's relevant to the other people there. Mind blown, bro. Mind blown. And if you didn't get to come to this event, I think the reason we want to spend a show every year talking about it is it's really, I think, the biggest thing we do all year long. And it's connection to this podcast. It just goes back to the very beginning. You know, it's really like the most hardcore listeners that have been around the longest and have gotten the most from the show and have built businesses off the back of maybe the people that have been on the show or having met them in person, they come to this event. And that's, I think, why I wanted to make sure that we took the time to do a podcast about it. So are we going to do it again next year? We're definitely going to do it again next year. But like you said, I think a couple of things are going to be changed just because we like to change things. That's why. I think one of our team members, Derek, said it best. I put this question to the team after the event. And I was like, you know, people more or less know the numbers that we're pulling in. You can do the napkin math. It's good, but it's not for all the time that we put into it. You know, I shut down shop like three months before the event. I come to town like 
weeks early. We have 20 staff members for this event. It's a lot. And I'm positive we could make more money. That's not the reason we're doing this. That's what I'm getting at. But what Derek said, and he understands all this, and he said the reason he wants to come back next year is the magic. He called it magic, and that resonated with me because I felt that. There's something magical when people get in the right room for the right reasons under the right circumstances. It's a very hard thing to capture, and I felt like we did a pretty good job of it this year. Now, I got a list of 100 things that I want to improve, but I still think that he's right. And there's that challenge that makes me want to run it back next year. But if we just did the same thing next year, we wouldn't have that magic, you know? The team wouldn't be as inspired. The attendees would just know what's around every corner. And so I kind of feel like we have to change it in order to keep it something special. Let's start planning, buddy. Yep. (laughs) Did I tire you out? (laughs) We got to create the magic. That's the thing. It's not really magic, man. You create it. Haven't you watched those Penn & Teller shows before? (laughs) (laughs) We got to thank our sponsors for trusting us, for coming out and being great for our attendees. They're AMZ Tracker, The Bean Ninjas, Empire Flippers, and 1040 Abroad. You can check out the links to everything we mentioned, all the businesses and people in this episode at tropicalmba.com slash event five, spelled out F-I-V-E. All right, boss man. I know you got a couple interviews coming up today, so. I'm busy, dude. I got to actually work today. (laughs) I wish you the best. I'll see you next Thursday morning. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.